The summer recovery is repeating. It's Wednesday, October 5th, 2022. This is the Kelly Letter Podcast, and I'm Jason Kelly. For the first time since March, the S&P 500 rose more than 2% for two consecutive days. It was a great way to kick off October after the recent slide in the stock market. And beleaguered investors who've been staying the course or buying more are finally getting a little bit of a reprieve here. The first thing that happens whenever stocks start rising after a losing streak is that bears say it's a bear market bounce. They're right sometimes, but eventually they're wrong. They were right last summer, but because they say it every time, it's, it's hard to, to put much credit to that. <laughs> Bears are always saying stocks are going to go down, and they're wrong two-thirds of the time over long periods. Everybody looks at the recent time period always, though, so media constantly highlights, this guy said the market was going through a bear market bounce last July, and he was right. That's true, probably for whichever guy they have in mind, but he was probably wrong four out of the previous five times. That's just how it goes. The long arc of stock market history shows stocks rise two-thirds of the time and fall one-third of the time. They've been falling for a while now, and bears are having a heyday, which is normal. That's, that's how it goes, and that's their marketing plan to say, we called this crash, and you're suffering from it. If you'd listened to us, you would have done fine, which is not true over the long term. If you listen to perma bears or even frequent bears— or even frequent doubters, you will almost certainly damage your long-term returns. The most important thing you can do is decide how much time you have in the market, and if you have plenty of time, then you accept higher volatility to get the benefit of long-term higher performance. Anybody who jumps out willy-nilly along the way is going to greatly damage their long-term total performance. So anyway, what people are looking at now in media is that All right. Last June, we had a market low. And then after that, investors decided inflation is looking muted. It was called peak inflation in those days. This is going to be great. Inflation is going to start going down. It is going to be as transitory as the Fed thought a year later. But nonetheless, eventually we can say it was transitory related to gumming up the supply chains during the pandemic, and now that they're reopening, inflation is coming down, as the Fed expected, a little later than they thought, but nonetheless, it's finally happening. And therefore, interest rates and other policy tightening will not have to go as far as the Fed was telegraphing in spring. That is widely accepted as the catalyst for the summer, the summer rally, which was very good. The S&P 500 up some 17% over a couple months. The whole time, bears saying it's a bear market rally, it's a bear market rally, it's going to crash again. And it did crash again. So now they're saying they were correct. I would submit that a different way to look at it, and I, and I have been talking about this for a while now in this podcast and in the Sunday Kelly, Kelly letter issues, that there's quite a bit of under-the-surface uh, relaxation, under-the-surface muting of inflation data. It hasn't shown up in a big way in headline key metrics, specifically the Fed's preferred PCE inflation measure, but it will. And even the PCE and other top headline type of inflation reports are starting to roll over. I mean, the PCE itself is declining, not as quickly as, as some pundits expected, but a decline is a decline. And the Fed needs to be sensitive to this idea that, that interest rates and other policy tightening have a, a lag in 
until they take effect. So there's a lag time there that the Fed is very cognizant of. It does not want the economy to be slowing down dramatically as the effects of, of rapidly increased interest rates crush it even more, and then they cause a recession, and they're called just as incompetent as can be, late to the inflation fight, and then overly aggressive in the inflation fight. Nobody wants that on their resume. So the, the Fed is, gonna, is watching very carefully the inflation data, and we have been seeing pretty clear indications that inflation is rolling over. And I've been beating this drum for a while. It, it hasn't mattered yet, but maybe it is starting to matter. And that seems to be what, what happened on Monday, that investors were beginning to bet again, as they had last, the last late June and early July and, and into mid-August, that inflation easing and economic growth our, our economic growth slowing, we're seeing evidence of both of those, which is what the Fed would need to see in order to either cut short its campaign against inflation or to relax the pace of it. Either way, it would be good news for investors. And we've been expecting that, that here we are back at the June lows. We actually went a little below the June lows, but just a little. That June low, and now we can maybe call it the September low, if those two hold, they're right at the same area, and I think quite a few chartists would say, okay, well, hey, that could be a double bottom showing up. We could be optimistic for the future. But the way we at the Kelly Letter, uh, led by me, but also other subscribers who weighed in on this, the way, the way we are viewing the optimism is that, look, the last time the market was at a significant low, and investors got even a whiff that inflation was peaking, we had a substantial two-month rally. So if we're now back at roughly that same low area in sentiment and price level, and again, we're getting whiffs of inflation coming down, there's a good reason to expect we'll get another substantial rally. And one of these times, that substantial rally is not going to be a bear market bounce, but the beginning of a next significant up leg. I think all it would take is a... a a sustained, legitimate decrease in inflation, which is what the Fed wants, as soon as we see that that's really getting some traction, why wouldn't the market go up substantially? It means the Fed's plan is working. It already, the Fed itself, expects its Fed funds rate to not get to a deleterious level, a, a damaging level. It's, it's going to top out somewhere under 5% or so the Fed projects which is not that high, if inflation is coming down and interest rates are going to top out before they get to a damaging level, history shows we should get a substantial stock market rally and probably the beginning of the next bull market. So that's what investors are looking at. Nobody wants to miss the lows of this, this bear market any more than they want to miss the lows of any bear market. And while this could be yet another bear market bounce, one of these times it won't. The, the bears already got their lucky coin toss on the last low. And do they really expect inflation to last forever? I, I hit on this last week, so I won't keep going on that. It simply won't last forever. It's going to come down. And the Fed has moved aggressively. And we're starting to get in, uh, evidence that, that the, the under-the-surface inflation data are are becoming more tame, and that those should be reflected in the top levels that, that the Fed is looking at carefully. Now, bears will also say that sentiment was so low, so of course we're going to get a bounce. It has nothing to do with what's going on with inflation or the Federal Reserve policy. That's what they said after Monday's big, big rise. But then 
something interesting happened on Tuesday. Actually, let me let me let me keep going on what they said after Monday. Um, ba- basically, analysts, bearish analysts, said that with sentiment toward equities already very low, of course we're going to get these bounces just because things get oversold, washed out. Just normal volatility would go in the other direction if we've gone down long enough. So it's just normal volatility. Don't don't get excited. The bear market's not over yet. Possibly, but but guess what? The beginning of a true new bull market looks the same as the beginning of a bear market bounce. They already had their one lucky bear market bounce. The Fed's been fighting against inflation for a while now. It's looking pretty weak in the inflation data. The, the Fed funds rate is already pretty high for the expectations around this campaign. So the odds of bears getting another bear market bounce should be considerably lower now than they were the last time. And one of these times, they'll just be wrong. And it might be this time. And the beginning of a sustained bull market recovery looks just like a bear market bounce in the beginning. So they, the recoveries always start with this level of doubt. There's just nothing new about any of this. So the Fed is, is keeping a close eye on, on that data. The data is getting better. And, and we, we did seem to get some evidence that, well, with yields coming down, it looks like bonds are starting to think that maybe these inflation data are going to work and the Fed won't have to go quite as far. But what Bear said is, no, 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 that has nothing to do with that. The, the big, big picture hasn't changed. September was awful, and it just ended last Friday. So don't get excited that we're in a whole new world here. One, one research firm called Bespoke, that puts out quite a few interesting market charts, came out right away and, and, and called this uh, the Monday's gain, which was, was 2.6%, which people were pretty excited about until Bespoke said, well... <laughs> They put out a chart saying the average move on the first day gains from bear market lows has been above 4%. The implication being that because this one was only 2.6%, it shows a lack of energy. This is probably not the beginning of a sustained up move. But this seems pretty tenuous to me. First of all, a one-day move. And I can just imagine if it had been higher. Let, let's say let's say the S&P 500 had gone up 5% on Monday. What would bears be saying then? Oh, well, anything that high is clearly just crazy volatility. And you only get spikes like that in the middle of a bear market. So they're either going to complain that it was too low or too high. They're never going to say, hey, you know what? That was a perfect bounce. This thing looks like it has legs because they're perma bears. They always have to be talking about doubt. That's their marketing model. But in looking at the the bar chart that Bespoke Investment Group put out on Monday, we we see it ranging from that they're looking at day after bear market lows going going way back to the, the 1930s. And they have them ranked from the, the, the tiniest one was 0.1% in October 1974. The biggest one was 12.4% in, in October of 1931. That, that's the whole range. So from basically zero up to 12% for the first day jump after the low of the bear market. Where does Monday's 2.6% lie? In a little below the middle. Um, a little below the halfway point, um, it, it, the, the way these go from that one in 1974 up to where we would be is 0. 0.1, 0. 0.4, 0. 0.5, 0. 0.7, 1.4, 1.8, 1.9, 2.1, 2.2, 2.4, 2.6. 
Okay, and then from there it goes. So it's not really near the bottom. And then from there we go up pretty dramatically. It goes up through the twos to the fours, fives, seven, eights, and nines. That the the twelve percent in in nineteen thirty one it looks like quite an outlier. So the the topping area for the first day after a bear market low looks to be about nine percent. The bottom near zero percent. In, in that spectrum, 2.6%, not that bad. I would, I would be tempted to call it a Goldilocks first day bounce because it's not too high and not too low. It's not so high that they can say craziness, obviously not attached to any kind of fundamentals. And it's not so low that they can say anemic, doesn't mean anything, just normal volatility. It looks like a pretty decent bounce, but not into the nut zone. So I'm not really quite sure what they're complaining about, but but that's how bears were talking about it on Monday, saying that, ah, so what? Treasury yields are coming down. That's normal fluctuation. The, the dollar is losing some of its strength. But bulls looked at that and said, whoa, whoa, whoa. How exactly do you think that that, that doesn't matter? Treasury yields are falling and the dollar is losing some of its strength. Hello? Those are extreme hints to the Federal Reserve that maybe it should back off a little from its uh, aggressive tightening program. And, and in, in fact, the Richmond Fed president, Barkin, um, was, was talking on Monday saying that, that markets have benefited from huge declines in yields um, because Lael Brainerd um, gave a speech on Friday talking about the impact of dollar strength. Um, you know, there could be some kind of currency crisis, and that's the last thing any markets or, or central banks need now is yet another crisis. The Asian tigers or some sort of currency dilemma anywhere in the world, really, but focus seems to be on Asia since we've had other big currency crises out of Asia. And it's possible that the Fed's going to think, okay, look, we seem to have inflation heading the right way. It's not as far gone, it's not as low as we want it to be, of course, but. Uh, we really don't want to screw over the U.S. economy by sending import prices uh, uh, t too far down, hurting overseas economies so that they crash, and then cratering their currencies so that their, their debt gets messed up, et cetera, et cetera. We don't want to kick off a domino effect of bad news overseas that we then have to deal with next. So in that sense, bulls were saying this, this, this is fairly – significantly bullish if if yields are coming down treasury yields are falling and the dollar's losing some of its strength show giving clear signals to the fed that it might be time to ease up a little bit well because it was a one-day deal bears could easily say oh nope nope it's just volatility Not, nothing substantial going on here so uh, it's nothing's attached to fundamentals this is just normal volatility and you shouldn't expect that this is going to be a sustained recovery that you've all been hoping for for the last nine months and you know what happened next tuesday and tuesday brought even more significant fundamental information which we will cover next <music> What happened Tuesday was a rare moment of the world caring about Australia's central bank. And that's no disrespect to Australia's central bank. It's just not one of the major players that normally shows up as a market mover. But on Tuesday, it did. We had fundamental data that supported this idea that maybe we're starting to get enough evidence that inflation is cooling and central banks can, can slow down. Because that's what the Australian central bank did. 
Wrapping up its October policy meeting, the Reserve Bank of Australia, RBA, raised its cash rate to a nine-year peak of 2.6%. All right, so still raising, and that seems bearish. That was its sixth hike in as many months. And those six hikes included four larger-than-usual moves of 50 basis points. So it's not up to as high as the Fed with its 75 basis point moves, but for the RBA, the Reserve Bank of Australia, a 50 basis point move is a big deal. And it's done four of them out of the last six hikes. And what did people expect for this one? Another half point or 50 basis point hike. But guess what? They did it by only 25 basis points. And the RBA governor, Philip Lowe, said in his statement that the cash rate has been increased substantially in a short period of time. Reflecting this, the board decided to increase its cash rate by only 25 basis points as it assesses the outlook for inflation and economic growth in Australia. The board does expect to increase interest rates further over the period ahead, but it's not going at the quick pace that it was going at before. This sends a really important signal about the pace of future hikes in Australia. And uh, the head of Australian economics at RBC Capital Markets even said, quote, when you drop down a gear now, while most of the globe is still doing much larger hikes, that sends an important signal, end quote. And what does that have people doing here in the States? Thinking that maybe the Fed will be slowing its, its increases down. Now, of course, the Fed doesn't look at Australian data, but global central banks do talk to each other, and they have coordinated quite a few times, and they're coordinating now. So what, what a major central bank does matters. And we're seeing here in the United States already that expectations for the Fed funds future in the Fed funds futures market, we, we can see there expectations for our interest rates dropping down. It used to be that even just a week ago, that investors were expecting the the federal funds rate to top out in the four and a half to four point eight percent zone or so. And the Fed itself said four point six percent. But in just the last week, that expectation has dropped down to four and a quarter to 4.5%. That's not huge, but it does show it coming down as, as this, this idea takes hold again that maybe, yes, it is for the second time, but maybe we have finally seen peak inflation. And central banks are starting to relax. Australia was the first one to relax. The Fed is getting underlying weaker data that might spur it to relax. The Fed has given voice to the idea that the weakening dollar and falling yields and so on could be, uh, the, well, the, the moves it's making and the weakening dollar could cause a cascading crisis overseas that it doesn't want to have to deal with. And so maybe on balance, it's going to look like the Fed should slow things down to the same way the RBA already did. This is key fundamental data. It's an actual move by a major central bank based on what's going on so far. And they want to pause to see the impact, the lagging impact of the, the policy they've already passed. Would the Fed not want to do something similar? I believe it would, since quite a few analysts are saying, oh boy, you guys are setting yourself up for a major face plant because just about the time you enact your last Fed funds rate boost, the economy is going to be sinking like a stone, and we, it will have yet to have felt the full impact of your late-to-the-party policies. The Fed doesn't want that. I think it's sensitive to that. And Lael Brainerd, when she was speaking last week, was indicating that, that we, we, we really don't want to go too far here. Then we see 
this series of underlying inflation data that's slowing down. Ask anybody in the housing market how the economy is doing. Really? A friend of mine, a good friend of mine, who's been looking to buy a house, has been watching very carefully. And he told me just this week that starting about three weeks ago, he stopped seeing bidding wars for houses. Others reported that happening earlier, but this is his personal experience. Bidding wars for houses are over. He's seeing houses that are now selling for less than the asking price. He's seeing others pull their house from the market when, it's, when they're not getting the price they want. Price reductions, sales below, asking price, bidding wars disappearing. That is a clear slowdown in a very important part of the U.S. economy. That's going to show up in, in lower data, which is going to show up in higher data that the Fed is going, to, uh, is going to pay close attention to. The bond market has already started seeing this. And that was a thing that happened on Monday when they were saying, oh, so what? Big deal. Yields are coming down and the dollar is weakening, but this is not enough to, to think that this matters. Actually, it could be. It's very early. Yes, it's only two days, but, but give us a break. You know, people have been under the gun for so long that any glimmer of sunshine through these clouds, of course, they're going to perk up and be happy to get it. So let them get a little bit bears. You were saying the whole summer, every time there'd be even the slightest little bit of negative data, look, look, the tide is turning. Well, now that we're getting a slight bit of positive data, let the bulls enjoy the tide turning idea. The two-year note dropped to 4.1% from 4.2% at the start of the month, and the 10-year note is down to 3.6% from 3.8%. Yields are starting to come down on the bet that the Fed is going to end up relaxing its pace at least, if not its, its end location for interest rate increases. And uh, nobody's talking yet about decreases. It's still the very, very early signs of, of uh, the, the positive results we would expect to see. I think this is pretty good news. I really do. And I think we should be willing to, to go with it. We should be willing to say this is what we expected to see. It's what the Fed was hoping to see. Stocks have now put in a double bottom. Maybe, yes, we're only two days into it. But hey, right now on the chart, it looks like a double bottom. And it looks like they're heading into the same kind of recovery pace that they had coming off the June bottom. And for the same reason, which is this idea that, that Fed, the inflation rate has peaked, that Fed policy is going to work, and that the Fed will not have to go farther than expected and possibly go less far than expected and slow down its pace soon. That's what we thought we would get. We are getting that, and the market is reacting in a way that we thought it would based on how it reacted from the June lows. And these lows are pretty substantial. Um, people who bought those lows, and we are among them. I'm actually really proud of this one point. I'd like to, to put a feather in the cap of our SIG system. Our SIG system bought quite close to the June lows. It was early July, but very close to those June lows. And we just bought at almost the low after the September slide, the, the, the six-week slide that started in the middle of August. Uh, perfect timing? No, we've never, we, we've never had that as a goal. It's unreasonable to have that as a goal. But to flag with buy signals, big buy signals, the two recent lows of this cycle is pretty encouraging. And off the last one, we got a nice bounce. Looks like we're getting a nice bounce off this one too. Whether it, it keeps going remains to be seen, yes. But it does look like it's based on real data, and it's exactly the kind of real data we thought we would get that would power the next bull market, which would start exactly the way a bear market bounce looks. So yes, bears, go ahead, call it a bear market bounce. But bulls, just remember that that's how bull markets begin as well. But 
more important than either of those, don't be a bull or a bear. Be a long-term systematic investor who understands the market fluctuates. It's a, it's a, a, a wavy pattern and a general upward trend. Stocks rise two-thirds of the time, drop one-third of the time. Nobody can get that timing perfect, and the good news is you don't need to. You just keep running your system in the long-term expectation that the market's going to do basically what it did in the past when it's seen inflation, interest rate fluctuations, war, storms, everything you can imagine, and we still get that long-term trend of the market that we should expect to keep getting. So hang in there, systematic investors. I think we're finally getting some, some good news here, and all of your hard work over the last nine months is going to, to pay off. That'll do it for this week. Thank you for listening. This is the Kelly Letter Podcast, and I'm Jason Kelly. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast from any of the links at jasonkelly.com. More than that, though, this is a great time to join the Kelly Letter. Still near the lows of the year. Yes, we've had a nice two-day bounce, but it's still near the lows of the year. Great time to start your systematic, automated signal system plans that have beaten the market over time. Even after all the dropping this year, they're ahead of the S&P 500 over the long term. And they should extend that lead once again, as they've done in the past coming out of bear markets. There's no reason to think they won't this time. We'd love to have you join all of us at the Kelly Letter. You can subscribe today at jasonkelly.com to get those onboarding materials and start your own market-beating SIG plans at these low prices. Current subscribers, thank you for doing business with me, as always. Let's enjoy the recovery into a new profit zone.